Hi, and welcome to the River of Life Assembly of God podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our prayer is that today's message will impact your life in a positive way. We believe there is power in the Word of God. So open your heart and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you today. I thought, man, I shouldn't preach something separate than that. So I tried to get some about the devil. Man, I'm really not feeling this. The devil. He said, preach what's in your heart. Okay, I'll do that. I wouldn't want to bore everybody, put everybody to sleep. Uh, open up your Bibles. That's um, Psalms 25. Secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, and he will show them his covenant. Mine eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. Turn thee unto me, and have mercy on me, for I am desolate and afflicted. Let's pray. Oh, heavenly Jesus, Lord God, anoint my mouth, Lord God, this morning, God, that something will be said to motivate your saints, Lord God, to you. Oh, heavenly Father, God, those that, Lord, are catching it right now, I'm asking, Lord God, that there would be something special in this word for them, God, that you would use my mouth, Lord God, and help me, Lord God, to communicate your truth in the name of Jesus. If there's anybody out there away from you, Lord God, that they, Lord God, would be drawn in today in the name of Jesus, the backslider would come home in the name of Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. I've titled this message, The Posture of Freedom. The Posture of Freedom. This is David speaking. Uh, This is the same David who had that oil poured over his head uh, by Samuel, signifying that he would be the next king of Israel. Also signifying that the Holy Ghost would be in his life from that point forward. So by the time he got to uh, Goliath, he had already had a Holy Ghost resume started. Out on the backside of the leather with the sheep. He struck down a bear. Struck down a lion. Already the Holy Ghost was beginning to come into his uh, natural everyday life. Uh, job, and he was beginning to see the power of God in his life. This is the same David that God says, a man after my own heart, meaning, you know, I love David because David takes my words and he cherishes them, and he, he won't let them fall to the ground like Saul. The same David who in the Revelations, when they were looking for somebody that's worthy to open the books, and Jesus came And the man speaking to John says, don't cry, the root of David is worthy. God chose fit to name his son by David. Somebody this mighty, this powerful in the Holy Ghost says, I'm in a net. I'm in a net. I'm in a net. If somebody this powerful can be in a net... That means the most greatest apostle living today that's planted 100 churches can be in a net. 
That tells me the pastor, the person that when they sing, the glory comes down and the tears come because you can feel the power of God in their life. They can be in a net. What is this net? I found there's a couple nets out there in scriptures if you run like a study. The first one I found in God's net, this is Psalm 66, 10, and 11. For thou, O God, hast proved us. Thou hast tried us. As silver is tried, thou broughtest us into the net. Thou laidest affliction upon our loins. It's God doing this. What is the net? The net is that thing that makes you feel powerless. That situation that's got you thinking, God, do you even know I'm here? The net is that thing. That makes you just, if you've seen like wildlife shows when you get up, a wild animal in the net or whatever, they struggle as much as they can and they can't break free. That situation that has you thinking, I'll never get out of it. I'll never get out of it. That's the net. Are you in a net? David was in a net. We all at times go through nets and we find here that God is throwing nets on his own kids. If you read that whole passage, this he was speaking of Israel going toward their wealthy place, which is uh, synonymous for the promised land. God is saying, you have a promised land, and as you're headed toward that promised land, I'm going to throw my net on you. And he tells you why. He says, oh, God has proved us. Thou has tried us as silver is tried. He's speaking of the process of those who purify precious metals, how they put heat and pressure on it, and all the scum that doesn't belong in it comes to the top and they skim it off. This is the reason for the net. He's saying, okay, I know before you used to rely on your good looks. You used to rely on being able to manipulate people. You used to rely on your education and your parents. But on the way to the promised land, I got to get that all out of you because in the promised land, there are giants. When we get to our promised land, they still had to fight big, scary, creepy giants. And all that other stuff that's in your life, you won't be able to handle them. So in the net, you get to that point where you cannot use manipulation. Well, God says to you, you know what? I've got other weapons for you. I've got spiritual weapons. I've got weapons that are proven. All the things you used to do before, you can't use them because you're going to have to rely on me. When you get to that promised land and you see those eight-foot-tall giants, you're going to freak out if your confidence is not in me. That's the reason for that net. The net gets you to the place where you're saying, God, I can't do this no more. How many saints in the net and have not figured out I'm in a net and God put it on me. He's trying to get something out of me that doesn't belong so I can get to the the place of blessing and stay there. That's what the net is for. And then it says, thou brought us into the net. Thou latest affliction upon our loins. God, why would you put affliction on me? The whole idea and thought there is your loins is kind of like the core. And when you put a heavy burden on your back, you kind of go down and you put pressure right here. Why would God put a heavy burden on his own kid's back? 
Because when you get to that place of blessing, there's going to be giants that's going to run you out of town unless you're not in shape in the Holy Ghost. There's going to be giants that's going to run you out of town and make you say, I can't even do this anymore. A lot of us think that the the place of blessing, that place of the promised land, we're all going to be running around with grapes that's the size of oranges. You know, like Tom Finn, Huck Sawyer in a hammock somewhere running around. They finally got to that place after they threw the giants out. Then God's got a more severe net. This is Ezekiel 17 and 20. And I will spread my net upon him, and he shall be taken in my snare. I will bring him to Babylon and will plead with him there for his trespass that he has trespassed against me. This is after they got there, they backslid. So he used Babylon to take him into slavery, and that whole situation was a net situation. He threw it on him and got him to the place. It says to plead just means to punish. But what I like about God, he still had prophets roaming around and prophesying to to these slaves, his people. I love this one scripture in Isaiah 1, 18 through 20. I, the Lord, am the one speaking to you. Come, let's discuss this. Even if your sins are dark as red dye, that stain can be removed, and you will be pure as wool that is as white as snow, if you listen to what I say. You will get the good things from this land, but if you refuse to listen and rebel against me, your enemies will destroy you. The Lord himself said this. This is the easy reading version. I love that version. He's saying, while you're in this net and while you're in, you can't move and while you're in slavery and while you're in this situation that you can't get out, some of us has actually get to the point where we're getting judged. But that's not the end of the story. It's what he's trying to say. If, let's talk about this, he says. Can, can you imagine the king of the universe coming to us? What is man that he's uh, mindful of us that he would even take this posture to bow down and say, let's talk about this. I don't know what vision they've told you about God and what you've heard from the old preacher back in the day that he's out throwing lightning bolts and murdering people. But he's the God that says, even though you're in your sin, even though you did what you did and that's why you're here, even though, let's discuss this, you can still come out. You can still be delivered. You can still get the good of the land. It is not over. You can continue. You can continue on me if you do what I'm asking you to do. He's a redeemer. Hallelujah. And then, there's the net of your enemy. This is Psalms 35 and 7. For without cause have they hid from me their net in a pit, which without cause they've digged for my soul. I don't know if you know it or not. <clears throat> I think you probably have that when you got saved, everybody would say, oh, wonderful. Some of your old homies, some of your own family, They get mad. And they, in some room somewhere, are planning and plotting on how to trip you up. Put out the booze. Put out the porn. Let's go where we used to. Come on. You made them mad. For without cause, they laid a net for you, and you don't even know why. It's because they're on the other side, and they're from the other camp. Watch out for the nets of the ones that were closest to you. They're laying them out there without cause. They were trying to trip you up. Psalms 31, 4 and 5. Listen to this one. 
Pull me out of the net that they have laid privily for me, for thou art my strength. And to thine hand I commit my spirit. Thou hast redeemed me, O Lord God of truth. I don't know if you recognize that one phrase, into thine hand I commit my spirit. This is David. You know, David, since he was such a man of God, he was also a prophet. So he was actually prophesying what Jesus was saying on the cross. As he's talking about his net, he's also prophesying hundreds of years down the road of what Jesus would say. Jesus was in a net. His uh, enemies laid a net out for him. He walked in it and ended up on the cross. But that wasn't the end of the story is what I'm trying to say. You might walk into the net of one of your enemies. You might be in that place where you got trapped by something that they did. That's not the end of the story. Everybody knows this was the worst thing that the enemy could have ever done. And this is the worst thing in, in the devil's resume of blunders when he put Jesus on the cross. And you got to realize when you get into your enemy's net, that's not the end of a story. God is still sovereign and he will take your life and he will recondition it and send you back out to battle. It's not over. It's not over. This situation was far from over when Jesus said, into my hands I commit my spirit. But in this whole scripture that I brought, David said he was in a net. And I love this. He says, he shall pluck my feet out of the net. The whole idea is that the net's there, you walk in it, and then they gather it. You see, David learned something that we all have to get down in our spirits. While he was in the backside of that desert, he was working on a skill that would make him invincible. He says, I will ever look unto you. I will ever keep my eyes on you. He was a psalmist, a musician, and when he played, the Holy Ghost would come on Saul and the, de the demon spirits will leave him. But on that backside of the desert, he was working on that skill that says, I don't know what's going to befall me. I don't know what's coming my way, but I'm going to turn my eyes on you. And I know I'm in a net, and I know they're surrounding me, and I know that something's going wrong. But as long as I keep my eyes on you, I will be plucked out of the net. I will be plucked out of the net. This is something you got to get down. We all have to get this down because we don't know what's going to happen. I love this scripture. Again, David, Psalm 24, 6 through 10. It's the amplified version. This is the generation or the description of those who diligently seek him and require him as their greatest need who seek your faith, even as Jacob did, Selah. Lift up your heads, O gates. Be lifted up, ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who's the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who? This is king of glory, the Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory who rules over creation with his heavenly armies. I love the way um, Southern Version says, the easy to read version, gates. Proudly lift your heads, open ancient doors, and the glorious king will come in. Who's the glorious king? He is the Lord, the powerful soldier. 
He is the Lord, the war hero. Gate, proudly lift your heads, open ancient doors, and the glorious king will come in. Who is the glorious king? The Lord all-powerful is the glorious king. This is him describing how he seeks God, how he always looks at God. He sees it as gates. We are all gates or doors. And the posture of freedom is when we turn our focus upward and swing open the gates. Swing open the door. If you had a door or a gate and you seen somebody on the outside, you're on one side, they're on the outside, but you never fling the door open, they're not coming in. And I think this is what we do as Christians. We get so distracted, we don't even go to the door and sling it open. And the king of glory is saying, I've got power for you. I've got secrets for you. I've got the covenant that I can show to you. But you won't sling open the doors and open up and lift your heads. There's a posture that would get you through the, po- the problem that you're going through. There's a posture that would get you to victory. There's a posture that will make you undefeatable. There's a posture that will get you to the end result in the promised land. But you've got to sling wide those gates so I can rush in. What he was saying there, I will ever lift my eyes to him. It's something that I believe he perfected way before he even got to the place where he got that oil poured on his head. So I kind of came in my heart to look at a couple of places with the distractions that could have slowed him down. Think of this. Your mentor, your father-in-law put a hit out on you. Essentially, that's what Saul did. Psalms 59, if when you read that psalm, it says, when Saul sent killers to stand outside David's house. Can you imagine this? This is a man, I fought his battle when he was afraid. I led his armies. I married his daughter. I played and the, whole, and the devil uh, left his mind so that he could have some peace. He's turned his back on me. He's put a hit out on me, and now there's right outside of my house somebody waiting to kill me. Could you imagine him looking outside his curtain and seeing those people were sent by the person that should have been my mentor, the person that I served, the person that I looked up to, the person that I fought his battles, the person that I, I, he's my daddy-in-law. He sent killers. They're waiting right outside of my house. Talking about a distraction. But what does he do? Because of his strength will I wait upon thee, for God is my defense. Psalms 59, 9 and 16. But I sing of thy power, yea, I will sing aloud of thy mercy in the morning. For thou hast been my defense and refuge in the day of trouble. We get distracted by problems. This guy has got killers outside of his house. And what does he do? I got to go have a devotion. And I got these were written right when these things were happening. There's killers out there. And he says, I'm going to have my devotion. He's going to hear my praise in the morning. I'm going to speak of his greatness. Although the killer's outside the door. I'm going to let everybody know my faith and my confidence is in him. I don't care who's outside the door. I don't care if I don't live another day. I'm going to ever look toward him. These psalms were written right when he was in the thick of this. 
The things that shut down our pursuit of God is nowhere near what David was, was going through. He was running in caves. I mean, Saul actually threw a spear. He's strumming his, to, strumming his music to get the Holy Ghost on, on him, and he picks up a spear and, and throws it at him. But he wouldn't shut down the praise. He wouldn't shut down the pursuit. And there's another one, distraction. Psalms 3. Problems with our kids. Absalom was plotting a takeover for years. How is it that God could say, man after my own heart, how is it that everybody can See the greatness of David and the purity of David. Yes, he had a couple of real bad screw-ups, boo-boos. He blew it. But still, even his son didn't see the greatness of his father. So what he would do was he would, you know, people at the gate and people in the town, he would go in and, and steal their heart by, oh, if I were the king, this would never happen if I was running this. He did that for years. Did it for years. Till one day he got enough followers to actually throw David out of his own kingdom. And then to make it so bad, he took his wives and slept with them out in the open to show everybody how much I despise my father. You see, but there was something that Absalom didn't understand about his father. His father, when he was a teen, Develop the ability to lock in on God when people were trying to murder him. To lock in on God when the worst situation happened. Out there in the prairie with the sheep saying, the Lord is my light and salvation. I could just hear him out there perfecting this pursuit. That God is the rock of my salvation. I will praise the morning, noonday, and in the evening. The God is my rock. And as he's running out of town, he is still writing psalms and, and, and practicing the presence of God and the covenant of God. And says, many there beat which say of my soul, there's no help for him in God. He is actually writing this when his son is trying to take over. But thou, O Lord, are a shield for me. My glory and the lifter up of my head. You see what Absalom didn't understand. He was trying to take over from a man that could not be defeated. The only thing that it could have defeated him if he had to stop pursuing God. So as he's going out of town and as he's doing all that disgusting stuff to show how much I really hate my parent, God was sending, I believe, ambushments against his own son. Nobody really, I mean, he was riding, the Bible says, and his, he had long hair and caught up in a tree. And there he is hanging in a tree. David loved him so much he told the soldiers, don't touch him. So he didn't really even know this was going down. But what Absalom didn't understand, 
David don't have to be the physically powerful or have all the people. He's got God. Same thing with you. Maybe your children, like it says, without cause, don't like you for some reason. You've done just like David. He loved Absalom. When he found out he did, he, he laid on the floor for days and cried. But without cause, have something against you. you got to learn like this guy says, I will always lift my head to the hills where comes my help. It's the posture that will make me a winner. It's the posture that will make me run on. It's the posture that will strengthen me. It's the posture that will lift up my head. It's the posture that will empower my life we have to really really focus in on this some of us when we have problems with our kids we'll go a whole week and not even serve and not even see God just like he says and lift up I can imagine in his own heart he wanted to lift it to bow his head down that my own child is doing this to me but the Lord he says is my glory meaning the Lord is the one that honors me. It was honor why he ended up hanging in a tree. We want honor from our children, but there's another honor that's above that. I said there's another honor that's above that. We need to get that honor. And like he says... Lift up your head, O gates. Swing open those doors. And the king of glory will send his army in and fight for you. You will see all of a sudden things that's changed. All of a sudden you haven't lift a finger. It's because, the, because you send the praises up and you lift your head up and you swing open those gates. He says the king of glory will come in. The king of glory will come in. The king of glory will fight for you. The king of glory will be your shield. The king of glory will stand up for you. The king of glory will honor you. And everybody will see and everybody will know. Everybody, when they seen Absalom hanging in a tree by his hair. I can just imagine thoughts. Nobody really had to do anything. There he is, hanging in a tree. The God of Jacob fought for David while he's running out of town. A tree. God calls a tree to vindicate David. And we got to keep this in our mind. I know we try to want to vindicate ourselves. God is the Lord of hosts, meaning he's got all types of resources. And if he has to get a tree involved, he will. And then another great distraction is sin, David's own sin. He made, a, he made a net for himself because of this. This is when the prophet uh, came to him, and he had committed adultery with Bathsheba, figured it out that it was him by the little parable that the prophet gave to him. And I believe since he so sought God, he was really quick to repent. That was one of his greatest um, attributes. And he says, have mercy on me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgression, create in me a clean heart. Oh, God. 
and renew a right spirit within me. That's another distraction that will keep us from pursuing God. Some people really take this too far and they just backslide. Okay, God is not surprised when we do whatever we do. He knows it all before it happens. So when you go to the prayer closet, I know you feel guilty, but when you go to the prayer closet and just lay it all out on the line, and this is what David is doing. Lay it all out on the line. I think sometimes we stay away for so long and we're distracted from pursuit because we have really made a bad net for ourselves and we just say forget it. One thing he learned since a kid, I believe, you might as well. When he finally, even when he did the sin with Bathsheba and they had a child, he fasted and laid on the floor all, all night. And he said, perhaps God will hear me. You see, this is what happens when you're a person of the presence of God, a person that's of the pursuit of God. You begin to know the nature of God. And that's why we, when it says seek his face, that's what you're actually, you see, David did have scripture. He had the five books of the law. And everything that Moses wrote down was him for him to pursue. And then there's those, uh, what the, the scripture says is the um, secrets that God gives us because you are a servant of God. God will just let you know certain things. It's kind of like a byproduct of being a a servant of God. This is something that was all the way from the beginning. That's why I believe it calls it ancient gates. It's like something that goes all the way back. This is not new. Enoch understood it. Before there was tongues, before there was gifts of the Spirit, he was prophesying. said that the Lord will come with 10,000 of his saints. Where did this secret come from? Because he was a person of pursuit. He wasn't a tongue talker, but he was a person who can get to the prayer closet and lock in. It was an ancient thing. This is nothing new. Everybody that has God and locked in on God had to get this down. I must ever pursue God. I've got to pursue God if I've been hurt by my spiritual leader. I've got to pursue God if I've been hurt by people in my own family. I've got to pursue God if there's somebody outside of my house to kill me. I've got to pursue God if I lose my job. I've got to pursue God. Ever pursue means continually. And the only way that you can be a loser in this is to be a person that is not a continual pursuer of God. He waits to see. Okay, that's been three or four days, no prayer, no worship. What can we throw his way? This is how he plots. Hallelujah. Everybody's head bowed, eyes closed. Now, you might be somebody that's in a net. A net that maybe you made. Or maybe it's just judgment. Maybe it's just judgment. The Bible actually says that he turns men unto destruction so that they would call on him. And he says, and I hear them and I heal them of all their distresses. He turns you to a problem. That's why some people, I believe, they end up being locked up. That's why some people get into such great, great nets. So then there's only one way to look, and that's up. I don't know where you are and where this message found you today. 
that ministered to you. But if there's anybody, you feel like you're in a net. You feel like it might be of judgment or just be one of those things where God is just trying to skim off something that doesn't belong in your character. We want to agree and we want to pray with you. Secondly, if there's somebody who's gone back, a backslider, and has gone back, I urge you today to reestablish your relationship with Jesus. With everybody's head bowed, eyes closed, if you think you're in a net and you've slidden back and you want to reestablish your relationship with Jesus today, you see a show of hands. There anyone, anyone. I see that hand. Anyone. I see that hand. Is there anyone besides the two hands? I see those two hands. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask you to take one more step. Folks, we love you here. We want you to reestablish your relationship with Christ. We want to love you and help you in your pursuit. One more step. Those four hands, come on up to the front and we'll have someone pray with you. If there's any of you all, everybody Christians pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, God, I come, Lord God, ask that you, Lord God, would strengthen, Lord, those who raise their hands. God, that they would have, Lord God, that, Lord, strength to know, Lord God, I'm walking to my Father. I'm walking to my Father. You see, he died for you wide open for all to see. He did it publicly. And I believe that the Lord will want you to uh, come publicly and rededicate your life, raise your hands. Oh, Father God, I pray, Lord God, that you would cause, Lord God, this, your strength, Lord God. Uh, we come against every, Lord God, thing that would hinder them, Lord God. Those, Lord God, that raise their hands, that you would strengthen them, Lord God, to go one more step, Lord God, and come towards Jesus. Also, if there's anyone, as we sing this last song, if you need prayer for anything, anything that's happened in your life, anything that you kind of like uh, mark you in this message, anything that you want to agree with, come on up. We have prayer partners. You can come on up and all your workers. Thanks for listening. We trust that God has spoken to you through today's message. If you would like to know more about our church or if you would like to help support the ministry, please go to www.rol-ag.org River of Life Assembly of God A church of His presence, His promises, and all people.